Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are. Today is another episode of Align with Lina. This is February the 22nd in 2021. And I am really excited to bring to you a friend of mine. And we haven't been friends for very long, but it, she is one of those friends that I could feel at a soul level that we probably have traveled in different lifetimes together because the, the connections were really beautiful and wonderful. And the sense of, of um, connection that I feel for her is so deep already. It's like we've known each other for decades. Um, so please join me in welcoming my, my newest, bestest friend, Habiba. Habiba, I am so happy that you're here. Thank you for joining me. I'm really happy to be here with you, Lina. I will echo the same thing. It feels like we've known each other forever and it's been what, a few months, but it, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Res That's resonance it. is, you know. <laughs> Just a few short months. And, and you know, one of the, the wonderful things that I find is happening in this shifting consciousness that is taking place is that we're connecting with like-minded people more and more and more. And the, the, the connections with those who, who are resonant to different vibrations, as, as the, the distinction between those raising consciousness and those stuck in old uh, 3D consciousness, it's going to be more challenging to connect with people of different frequencies. So I am really, I'm thrilled because who I'm, where I am in my consciousness is attracting amazing people and beautiful consciousness is like yours. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> ah, well, <laughs> so let me start with the question that I ask everybody. When did you begin to realize that there was more to life than what you had been trained to believe is what life is all about? For me, it began when my mom passed away and I was 41 and I began to experience this incredible uh, fear of death. I had never really had that. And all of a sudden, what got activated for me was a, um, a fear of God. And, and I went on a journey that had me begin to change my perspective about God. And I had to realize that not only was it not out there, like Santa Claus waiting to see if I was naughty or nice, and then send me a help, if I was naughty, I found out that God was inside and it was love and it wanted to to activate in me a beautiful life full of bliss and joy. But I had to accept that it was in me to activate that. And that changed everything that that's when I realized that there's no authority outside and, and there's no hell and there's nothing bad that can happen. I'm the creator of my reality. And then everything changed. My perception about everything shifted. So I say my mom gave birth to me twice, once physically and once spiritually, physically with her body and spiritually when she left it. Right. And um, so just a, a beautiful experience for me. So when when did you begin to realize that there was way more than you thought there was? <laughs> well, what's interesting, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you share. And, you know, obviously I know a little of your story, but um, death has a way of doing that, right? It has a way of waking us up. And so I can start there, but I actually want to go back a little bit further. So I was blessed with a mother. Um, so I was raised in a family where my father was very much of the world, making his way, came out of a psychotic family, totally turned his life around in order to be able to create a healthy life for himself and, and for us as a family. But he was very much of the world and, you know, go get your grades and make your money and, you know, do your things, right? My mother was polar opposite living all about the spiritual. I remember as a young child, her inviting the Jehovah's Witnesses in for tea and conversation, right? Oh. And I was raised in a Catholic family, so it's like, you don't go there. But my mom was all about exploration. She was all, I mean, she would, even when we were young children, and I'm from a family of six kids, um, she would go away on retreat and she would go to a Jesuit retreat center or she would go to these places. And so I was always fascinated by her and I remember even as a little child, I was probably three or four years old, I remember her talking to me about meditation. And I and she was always, um, the way that I put it into words now, I don't know if I would have done this as a child, but the way I put it into words now, she was always helping me to look for the divine in all things. Mm. And so that was a thread that was constant for me even amidst all this, you know, be of the world and get your grades and do your things, right? Yeah. 
So that was there as a foundation. It was always resonant in me. I had experiences. I was probably nine or 10 years old, um, aware that I was aware of things that other people weren't talking about. Um, I was at a friend's house and somehow knew that some glass shelves were gonna break. She had candles burning on these glass shelves and I just intuitively knew that it was going to break. And I'm like, we have to get those candles off that shelf, right? Got a scar to prove it. Um, but it, but it was like, I just somehow knew and I didn't know how I knew, but I knew that it was unique. I knew it was, there was something there. And then I also remember being at a funeral and seeing Jesus plain as day as, as if he were in the room. And so it was like something else is going on here that people aren't talking about. And I had a brother who used to tease me when I would share things like that. So I learned to be kind of quiet about it because my mom and I would talk, but I, everybody else, it was like, yeah, I don't want to be crazy. Right. So that awakening piece that you're asking about, I think the catalyst for me was when I was 14 years old, one of my brothers passed away. He was in an accident. He was in a coma for about three weeks. And I had a number of experiences around his passing. So the day of his accident, again, there was this knowing that there was something significant going on. When I said goodbye to him that morning, I knew that it was significant. I didn't know why, but I knew. Yeah. I was the one who took the phone call when the hospital called. There was this whole process when I went to see him in the hospital there was another whole experience that happened where I, again, intuitively knew that he was going to come to a choice point where he would stay or go. What we were being told by the doctors was that if he survived, that he would probably be vegetative and or have to start over because he had bruised the core of his brain in this accident. Okay. So the night that he passed, I knew that it was time and I knew that he was leaving. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with it. Like, I wasn't happy about it. I had my grief. I had my feelings because I adored him. But I knew there was something more going on that people weren't talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and at that point, there were two decisions that happened for me. One was, as a 14-year-old, and my brother was 21, it was like, if I'm going to die at 21, I want to live now. So my whole decision point was, I am going to live this life as full out as I possibly can. And there was a, a, a saying that's attributed to St. Irenaeus that we used on his funeral card that says, the glory of God is man fully alive. And that became my motto. It was like, uh, that's it. I am going to live this life fully alive. And the other decision I made in that was, I want to know what's happening. Like, what is this that I'm experiencing that nobody talks about, right? So my mom was somebody that I could talk with about those things to tell her the things that I was experiencing, but she was also going through her own grief. She had lost one of her children, you know? So, it, you know, there was time and space there. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. But around that same time, I also had, we had moved into a, uh, very progressive community. Um, it was a Catholic church, but it was founded on Vatican II principles and specifically on principles of social justice. Mm -hmm. So the whole point was let's live what we're talking about. Yeah. We're not just coming to church on Sundays. We're not just, you know, so it became a very active part of my life to be involved and to be connecting with people and to be. And so in that circle, I connected just with an amazing community of people. And I really believe that, you know, the universe sets it up. All we have to do is step into it, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Absolutely. You've said so many things. We can go on so many different, beautiful, beautiful places here. You know, one. let me just touch on a couple things that you said. Sure. How beautiful, how beautiful that your mom was the kind of a person that encouraged curiosity because on this spiritual journey, if we're not curious, we are in control mode. We're controlling with what we know. And curiosity is what expands our, our consciousness, expands our awareness. So how beautiful that you, you had that permission. Nice. But even without permission to be curious, you still have to go through the journey because we're here 
to to know some things, but to discover others. And we, we're all definitely, you know, on, on this path because I have found I know it's my experience and I say this so often it's my experience, but I've coached thousands of people. I've been coaching and teaching for 14 years and the journeys are pretty much the same. There is a process that we go through and Course in Miracles, of which I'm a, a big student of, as you know, and teach from that shares that progression that we go through. And uh, Joseph Campbell taught us about the hero's journey. There is a progression that we go through. Most of us don't like to believe that we're on a on a very similar progression. But if we just got grabbed hold of that map, the journey would be a lot smoother. Yes. And that's what it sounds like happened to you is your mom gave you a map and it had just enough, enough information. It doesn't give you everything. I, my maps, I, I don't know if you remember the old maps that we had to open up when we were in the car, you know, covers up the whole dashboard. But those maps, they didn't tell you everything. They didn't tell you where you were going to find uh, disappointment. They didn't tell you where there was going to be death on the journey. It didn't tell you. My maps didn't even tell me where there was a restaurant on the journey. Um, now the, the, the Google map tells you that you can request that or ask Siri, where's the next, uh, restaurant, but your mom gave you a map and then that gave you, that gave you the, the ability to realize that there was more that you were aware of. And now you needed to talk about it because yeah, people don't talk about these mystical experiences because we also have memories from past lives that when we talked about them we got got burnt at the stake um we were made crazy or we were told we were conspiracy theories um so we have to be cautious had to be cautious now it's a sign of, of the times the the curiosity and the speaking up is actually part of the process of of expanding our consciousness but tell me a little bit of what was it like for you to experience knowing that you knew some things and and not or maybe you did doubt what you knew or or in some cases be so certain that you knew that you knew it that you didn't nobody could could make you budge from your certainty what right. was it like to be so certain or to be doubted your own knowingness well, you know, I think, you know, there what it's interesting what I was what I was reflecting on this morning just as I was pondering the possibilities of where we might go with this conversation today. Um what I'm aware of is that it's like you said that we all have a journey and each of us it, it, it's it varies, you know, depending on where people hit whatever. Um it, it's unique, but there are also these similar pieces, right? Um, you know, I'm not unlike anybody else. I, you know, my teenage years, uh, you know, like after my brother passed and I was looking to find my way and, you know, wondering what love is all about and, you know, exploring relationships and marrying really young. I married at 19 and it wasn't the wisest decision, but, <laughs> but you know, it just, um, it, it's, there definitely was this place of, do I, do I really know what's going, you know, like I'm having these experiences, but like, can I really trust them? Because nobody else seems to be talking about this stuff. And, um, you know, it just, I, I think that those, the, the, I guess what, the way that it's coming up for me in the moment, Lina, is that it, it's like, I had these spiritual experiences going on but I was still figuring out, you know, from an egoic standpoint, how I fit in the world and, you know, what, what my responsibilities were and, you know, what kind of a life was I creating and what are the choices that I was making. And so for me, for a long time, I felt like my spiritual life and my worldly life were two very different things. So I remember feeling like, I was escaping the world in order to go into my spiritual spaces, or I was going on retreat, or I was going to workshops, or I was, you know, exploring different avenues in order to, to, to really delve into the places where I really wanted to live. Um, but 
at the same time, I'm, you know, living and working and, you know, I, have a, a, I won't go into my professional life. It's funny. I talk about my past lives in this life because this life. there were so many things that I did that, you know, were just, it, it, it really doesn't even feel, um, current, you know, whatever. Yeah. But so, so there definitely was that place of like, I, I'm not sure how this fits in the world or if it fits in the world. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like two very distinct aspects of my life that weren't necessarily merged for a long time. And, and yet I was always seeking to merge them. I always wanted to, you know, my dad was the kind of guy who was like, you know, go to school and get your degree and get into a career and stick with it. And, and he did, and he was, he, you know, he stepped out of college into a, a, an accounting firm and became a partner and was with that firm his whole career. Um, and, you know, like only quit when he really couldn't work anymore. Right. Um, and, and he was very happy in that. And I was like, hey, I think I'm going to go try this. Hey, I think I'm going to go be a professional nanny. I did that for about five years. Hey, I'm going to go, you know, so I tried a bunch of different things until I landed in energy healing. And it was like, this is where I belong, right? And so then I felt like I was able to start merging. Of course, my family and everybody else thought I was nuts, thought I had joined a cult. Like there were, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't an easy process by any means. But what the key to the whole thing for me was listening inside and doing my very best. And I, you know, by no means was perfect at it, but doing my very best to follow where my heart was leading and where I thought spirit was leading. And, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. And finding totally, my way through. <laughs> totally, totally. As my my dear friend that just posted a comment, Ken Harris, who is a, a fabulous, fabulous being, wrote a wrote a wonderful book called Synchronicity because he knows a lot about that. And he says, yes, we come into this life knowing something, but we are we are we all are here to discover the more that life has to offer, and it oftentimes happens through synchronicity which is what awakens us and to to his point and to your point and exactly exactly as it happens um has happened to me and i observe it happening to others and one of the reasons i do this this conversation and it's called align with lina is because until we recognize that there is a voice within that God is inside, not out there. And until we align with that, we don't really know who we are. We are not operating from our authentic self. <clears throat> and that requires a merging of head and heart. Mm -hmm. And to merge head and heart, we have got to, in a way, look at the two sides separately. We, we look at what your dad did you know, very methodical, linear, you get the degree, you fill the mind with information, you go from here to there to there, you do the job, and then you get to, then you get to have the success and you follow a path that's very mental. And it is part of our human self. And, and that's, that's what our ego, you know, thrives on is that, that uh, expectation of things happening. Excuse me, let me, why don't you chat a little bit? I'm going to take something. To yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I, and I do, I do feel that um, the, the, the piece that Ken's talking about with synchronicity, like there are those, those pieces that just show up. And, and I think the more that we can attune ourselves to them, the more, the easier it becomes to follow those leads. Um, because I do feel that those things are, uh, it's, it, I had a conversation with somebody about a week ago and um, the, the, the question that she asked me was, do I believe in magic? And I said, absolutely. And, and she said, well, what does that, you know, what does that mean to you? And I said, well, my experience is that it just is like, it's all around us. Things are, are happening all the time and whether we experience them or not, or not is whether we're tuning in, you know, it's like, what frequency are we operating at? And so for me, I, I make a conscious decision 
um, and a choice. And I, you know, again, I waver just like everybody else as far as how tuned in am I, I am or not. But you know, it's it it's the difference between you know, walking into the grocery store because I'm on a mission to get my thing done and that's all there is to it. And I'm not really paying attention to what's going on around me versus going into the grocery store to get things done. But I'm aware and paying attention. And and there are these little things that happen. Like yesterday when I was at the grocery, this man who was in front of me in line was this wonderful being. He was just beaming light. And had I been too on my mission, I would have missed that interchange with him, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, and it was just this moment. It was just a moment. It was, but it was sort of magical. And he lit up and he smiled and he was talking, of course, smiled behind his mask. But, <laughs> but I could see it because it was in his eyes, right? Yeah. And it was just this moment. And the thing that I, that I feel about that or believe about that is that those things have ripple effects. So because we had this pleasant interchange and he was clearly in a hurry and just wanted to get out of the grocery and there was a reason that he was held up in the line and yada, yada. But because of this interchange, he left the store smiling. Exactly. And as did I. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe that made the difference when he got home to his family. Yeah. You know, yeah. or whatever. It's like, those are the things. And that's the stuff that I'm like, as it, those are the things that I try to pay attention to is mm -hmm. that little stuff for me is the magic. That's the synchronicity. That's the, you know, and the more tuned in I am, am to that, the more I feel like I can trust the things that I, that are coming through. And the more that I feel, um, well, I feel a whole lot more joy for sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, like, and, you know that it's moment. A lot more fun. <laughs> it sure well more fun, and it gets a lot easier when you are guided. When you've got the roadmap, and you've got you know, it's like we get in the car and we we ask our navigation system um, to take us from here or there, and then it tells us turn left, turn right. Some of them are pretty smart. They let us know that there's an accident ahead so it makes us go around it so to me i equate guidance when when i aligned to guidance and i moved from just what's in my head programmed in my head to trusting what was in my heart um and as ken is saying yes life is very intelligent we can trust it as i began to trust that what began to happen is my mind got put in service to my heart the logic then had a place it's going to go from here to here to here to here. Yes, but my heart was running the show. My heart, it was in the driver's, is in the driver's seat mm -hmm. and is what intuitively connected. It's like that GPS saying, okay, turn left, turn right, you know, clean up on aisle four so that you can go meet the beautiful person who is there who's smiling at you. And that, uh, that willingness to surrender into the guidance of an intuitive director because that that's what happens that sees everything is putting you and i in the same loom mm -hmm. put ken and i in the same place so that we could connect you know the, the same facebook feed at the time so that we could see each other put me and my honey at the same dance hall where we met there is an intelligence that is connecting us but here's the thing is that intelligence is connecting us through frequency we get we get drawn like we was talking about in the beginning we get drawn to those who are vibrating at that frequency i am absolutely 100 certain and the beautiful thing about this journey where i have come to is that i know that i don't know it all but i am certain that i know the one that knows everything and when the one that knows everything gives me guidance i am certain about it and i trust it 100 percent and one of the things that I am 100% certain is that when we've been operating in this world disconnected from our heart, operating from that egoic mental place, the to-do list, the get, get stuff, when I was operating, when we've been operating from that mental place, money is the currency that we exchange. And, and it, it really, there, there's a limited amount of it. That it it's, there's a lack of money when you operate and that is the currency that we exchange from. Then I realized when I shifted that if I 
let light be my currency. That light as my currency is never ending. You exchange light as the currency with that gentleman at the grocery store. And when we exchange that currency, it is an abundance. There is no limit to what is possible. Can it convert to money? Absolutely. But that commitment to find the light in one another, nobody will go hungry on this planet when we are exchanging light. Nobody will get bombed. Nobody's going to get murdered. Nobody's going to cheat on anybody. Nothing is going to happen that is going to be detrimental on this planet when we're exchanging the currency of light, not the currency of the ego that like your dad, I grew up in that kind of mindset, go get educated, get a job and go make a whole bunch of money. And then when you graduate or when you uh, retire, then you can relax. And oh, Lisa, thank you for your sweet comment. Well, we're so happy that you're here with us. Um, but that's that's exactly what, what you came to discover on your journey. Say more about those exchanges of light that you discovered, especially as you went through your energy healing training, because when I started down the path of realizing that I was tapping into energy. Hell, I never grew up hearing that I was made of energy. I knew things were made of energy, but I thought everything was solid. Um, and it wasn't until I began to feel energy that I began to really connect with that. The real currency. Yes, always has been love. Yes, love, light. To me, they're synonymous. Thank you, Ken, for that. Um, share more about your experience, Habiba, with um, love, light, energy. Well, it's, you know, I think that when I chose to step into energy healing, there was, a, there was an experience that led to my decision to go explore it. But long story short was, I was on a retreat with a friend, I had a sort of an emotional experience that opened up and it, I was feeling a little bit raw. And he said, you know, I've been exploring this energy healing, would you be open to me doing this session with you? And so I started doing energy healing sessions. And, and it was magical, like it, it opened up so many worlds for me to help me understand the things that I had been feeling that I didn't have language for. And so, um, so I sought it out and actually found a teacher and started studying and, um, and, and the thing that it helped me to become aware of is exactly what you were just talking about is there is this, you know, for me, it's, you know, there's a source energy that from within which we are all contained within which we are all apart. Um, it's this piece of tuning into it. And, and then for me, refining, because part of the thing for me is that I am very empathic. And it wasn't until I was in healing school that I realized I was acting like a switchboard because I was picking up on everybody's energy and running it through my system as if it were mine. And I was burning out. I was getting overwhelmed. I was, you know, uh, uh, yeah, so I just, I so I, I actually went to my teacher and was like, I don't know what's going on, but I can't be in this room because I feel like I'm going to explode. And he's like, well, you're acting like a switchboard for the class. I'm like, great. So tell me how not to do that, right? <laughs> so the process for me was about um, recognizing that within the oneness that we all are, that there is also a, a uniqueness to each yes. of us within that, right? And for me, it was like, what's me and what's not me? So it became this process of really tuning in to what I was experiencing and discerning where it was coming from because it helped me to be able to, to know that when, when something is going on with someone else, I can be compassionate. I can feel it. I can, you know, I can do healing work. I can do whatever but I don't have to take it in and make it mine, right? Yeah. I can learn from it. it there, there are always mirrors, right? There are always mirrors. So if I'm being triggered by something or, you know, whatever, I can look at that and work with what's happening, but I don't have to take it on and make it mine. So there was a really, really important process for me in that. And then the other aspect that I learned within that, that particular structure was, um, I was in this class of about 80 people and some of them are, you know, clairaudient and some of them are clairsentient and some of them are clairvoyant. And, and I'm like, I don't know how to categorize myself. Right. Um, I've never been great at putting myself in boxes. So. <laughs> 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 um, 
but anyway, so what happened was we were in the midst of a, a very, uh, it was a group setting. Um, and the idea was that we were to read this person's energy and just share what we read. And I went into a state and like all this stuff was going on, I wasn't controlling any of it because my whole, always my whole perspective about moving into healing is I'm a vessel. It's happening through me. It, it ain't me doing the work, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a facilitator, if you will. But like, you know, as long as I'm in tune and letting it move through me, it's really not up to me what's going on. And so um, one of the facilitators, one of the teachers came over to me and was like, hey, we're not doing healing work yet. You're just supposed to be reading the energy. And I'm like, you know, like, like I'm going to stop this. Right. So, <laughs> so when we got to doing the sharing, when it, when it got to being the group sharing time, he said, so tell me about what's going on. And I said, well, I said, basically what happened was I, I connected with her energy. My heart connected to her heart and something started happening. And then I opened my heart and let it happen. Like that was really it. And he said, well, tell me what you were experiencing. And so I shared and she was like, oh, my gosh, that's spot on. And there was this whole thing. And so he turned to me and it was one of the key moments in my development was he turned to me and he said, honor, direct, knowing. Those three words changed my life because all of a sudden it was like, oh. That's how I knew the shelves were going to break. That's how I knew this. That's how I knew that. That's how, you know, so like all these pieces started to pop because all of a sudden it was like, oh, I really can trust what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And the difference for me is I know where I feel it and how I feel it when it's truth versus Habiba, I just lost you. <laughs> say, say that again because it, it froze for a second. Oh, okay. So what I was saying is, is that, like I have a great, I have a great mind, and my mind can come up with all kinds of things. Um, I have all kinds of great thoughts and ideas and whatever, and I listen to those. But the knowing comes in in a very different way. There is a, it, it's a, it's a resonance. It's a. It's a knowing. I don't know how else to put that into words. But that for me was a huge part of my stepping into really being able to live more from the fullness of my being and Absolutely. not feel like I was having to figure it out up here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I I share in in with students, classes, whatever, is that there are three aspects to to the process is first we gather information then there's the integration part of it and then there's the transformation transformation cannot happen until you've integrated the information the truth has to come into your mind then you begin to shift it and that transforms you when we go into that place of transformation mm -hmm. is because we have integrated sufficiently our trust and that we will feel things that didn't come from the head. It wasn't information. We literally feel it. And when we are guided by that, by that knowingness, mm -hmm. our lives become completely transformed because it is not of this world. It, it is not. It is not. You're not going to find it anywhere else. However, when we are to move into that, that being guided by inner knowing, honor that direct knowing as you said we go through a stage where the world thinks that you've gone mad because it is not of this world it is truly literally not only does it go against all that the world teaches because the world is so linear and and it's based on 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 information based on something that has been acquired from the past and God knowing, truth knowing, source knowing, whatever you want to call it, is based on something that is fresh and new now. It cannot be replicated because it it you just can't. Every moment is fresh and now and new. And living in that now moment is where I align with my inner knowing. It is where the world begins to show us this incredible, easy path and 
Ken saying that the world pattern is mad. Yes, it is. The world, the world has gone mad because it's operating. Well, this is what Einstein said. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. However, the way you solve a problem is you solve it in the now with a heart mm -hmm. that knows how to transmute problems because it accesses inner knowing. So I, I love, love, love that. Um, you know, one of the things that, well, the way you and I met, you know, we met in, inside of a new uh, gifting economy, which is something that is so new to the world. It is, it is even, here's a crazy thing. It's not new because right. it is the way that from our heart, we have been operating with each other where the transaction has been, the currency has been love, primarily love that cares about one another sufficiently enough to help and share because it is, that's what it is. It's a sharing economy. And we met in this place where both of us trusted our inner knowing that this is something we wanted to try, but it is totally completely against what the world says. They don't teach it in college. If anything, they tell you not to do it because it's woo woo. It's crazy. It's, it's, uh, you know, illegal or wrong or whatever. All of that is conversation that comes from minds that have been, that have gone mad because they operate in the 3d pattern and you and I, as well as so many um, that enter into that into that kind of a gifting economy come because in their heart, they have a knowingness that this is something that's never been before, but they're willing to try it out. So say more about your inner knowing and, and what are some of the examples of experiences uh, of listening to inner knowing that has helped you? And let me read what, what uh, Dr. Ken shared. We have become hypnotized by the unreal. Yes, sir. Time to wake up from the nightmare. Most people have been sleepwalking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sprinkling truth bombs here, Doc. I love that. Uh, Habiba, share some of your, your examples with that synchronicity, that inner knowing, that following, that guidance and allowing source. Yeah. Well, and I, I can speak to that, too, in the light of what you were just sharing as far as the way people think that we've gone mad. <laughs> um, because when I got into energy healing, I mean, that was 30 years ago, you know, so it was not something that people were commonly talking about by any means. Um, certainly not where I grew up. And so, you know, now it's more common, you know, people are they're definitely talking about it. It's about um, <laughs> but um, but it, but Ben, it was like, you know, what are you talking about? So um, and and yet my family knew me well enough to know that I was going to sort of do my own thing. And so I got I got into the energy healing. But the next choice that I was led to and it was very, very much synchronicity and everything lined up was that I chose to study with a Sufi sheikh in Jerusalem. And so it took me in a whole new direction of delving. And, and like I said, I, you know, I was raised in the Catholic church and we moved into this progressive community and, you know, it was really, it, it was not traditional in any way, shape or form. In fact, we were called the radical Catholics um, in the, in the, in the city where I grew up. And so, um, that's a compliment. That's a compliment by the yes, way. yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we were exploring things that people weren't even considering until, you know, very recently in some of those circles. So, um, but anyway, so I chose to step in and study Sufism because for me, it was like taking the, I was never, I was never into the hierarchy of the church. Like I was into the teachings. I loved the when you know boiling down to the essence of the truth of the teachings but moving into um into sufism it was like let me take this and expand it into all kinds of dimensions because the heart of sufism is essentially about uh purifying the ego and like you were saying bringing the mind in service to the heart and living from the heart and so, you know, this was like I say, my family was like, oh, my gosh, you're joining a cult. You're going to have to give away your firstborn child. I mean, it was like these crazy thoughts. And I'm like, I'm studying truth. <laughs> you know, like, what, what is your, like, it's just, it just, and at the same time, 
internally, I knew I was exactly where I needed to be. And I was given affirmations in all different kinds of ways. I had these just beautiful experiences. I remember I was sitting in Jerusalem in the middle of the night one night, and I had an experience, a spiritual experience of feeling like clay in God's hands. And, and it was just this moment, it still moves me to tears because it was this moment of feeling like everything is a new creation, you know, like everything. And, and it was a place where I knew that I could let go of um, old patterning. I'll just leave it at that. I knew that I could let go of old patterning and just really allow myself to step into a whole new way of being. And so from that place um, and within that context for about the next 15 years, I was in community and I was exploring these teachings and um, I'm just seeing Dr. Ken's um, question, Dr. Jaffe. Yeah. Ibrahim Jaffe is who I initially studied with. And then uh, Sidi, Sheikh Sidi Muhammad al-Jamal, who was the, um, the Imam of Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem is who I, who I studied with directly. And, and it just was, um, it was life-changing in so many ways, but for me, it was delving into this place of living from the heart choosing to be from love, of love, through love. Um, it's where my name came from. This was not the name that I was given at birth. I chose the name Habiba because my teacher called me that all the time. So the, the name Habiba means beloved. And for me, the reason that I chose to go ahead and change it legally as well is because every time I hear the name, it reminds me of my choice to be love in the mm. world. And that's I and it's that. like, that's my heart and soul's commitment um, is to be love in the world. And so that's why when I'm in the grocery store, I smile and I make exchanges with people that I don't even know. And my teenage children are like, teenage and young adult children are like, mom, mom, don't talk. And I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to. Yes, yes. My children definitely went through faces like that. And and Doc, I love you too. And those, those Persian uh Poets, they they absolutely had connected. They had felt the essence. You know, uh, Doc wants to know if you know Jody um, Prince Valley. Yes, 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 yes. I do. Okay, cold. The, here's a connection. The two. I haven't of you talked have to her connect. in years, but I do know her. So yeah. But this this incredible thing, you know. Let's unpack a little bit what living from the heart is, because to to be love, to operate here as Habiba because we all are the beloveds to operate in this world as the beloved. It is, it is absolutely necessary that we understand what happens when you live from your heart. We have, th there's a misconception that has been created deliberately to keep us from living from our heart and is to talk about love as if, Oh, you're going to become all mushy. You're not going to be intelligent. You're going to, you know, you're going to, they're going to take away your firstborn child. But the reason people misunderstand what living from the heart is, is because we actually don't know what love is. We operate in the egoic love, which is a very selfish love. It is a very, very um, conditional love. It's it's a love with expectation. It's a love that that is measured by by stuff. You know, you really love me a lot if you give me a really big engagement ring. You, mom and dad, you really love me a lot if, if you spend 200000 on the wedding as opposed to the 50000 you might have wanted to pay. You really love me a lot if you get me the new car or you buy me the big Christmas present. So love has become not only conditional, but, but measurable by standards of this world. And that is not what love is. What When we begin to feel true love, real love, it is a love that, you know, it's it's like the statement about peace, it passes all understanding, you cannot mentally understand what, what love is, is all about. So when we move more into our heart, it's actually about bringing the most unconditional part of us to the party. 
the most giving, the most sharing, the kindest. It is about bringing into the world what this world is most in need of which is that compassion, that forgiveness, that understanding that we've all been brainwashed. We've all been, like uh, Doc said earlier, we've become hypnotized um, into, into looking for love in all the wrong places. And no wonder there's so much disappointment because it's never outside, it's always inside. So your, your choosing uh, to be called Habiba is actually, a reminder, as you said, what we are, we are all born bringers of love and light to the planet. That is in essence, what every one of us is, is the opportunity to bring forth joy to the planet. That's why all babies are so joyful. And you know, you, you want to hold a baby because they don't take, they're not conditional, um, not until they get a little older. And then they certainly do become conditional. We train them that way. <laughs> But say say more about your your experience in in being love. Well, being, you know, living up to your name. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a big aspiration. I will say that. Um, you know what the beauty of uh, what unfolded for me from there, Lina, is that I had children, and they have been some of my greatest teachers in so many ways because. You know, I, too, was still trying to figure out the whole romantic love thing and um, and, you know, have had wins and losses with that. Um, but but with my children, I made a really I, you know, I, I let me put it this way. When I was little, I was probably five or six years old. I remember making a very clear decision that I wanted to be a mommy like that was all I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, people asked me and I wanted to be a mommy. That was what it was all about. I married at 19 and had all these goals. I was going to have all my children, you know, four kids by the time I was 30 and yada, yada. I had it all worked out, right? None of which happened. Um, so I was 36 and 42 when I had my children. And I am so very happy that it happened the way that it did that I, you know, between me and God and however that co-creation process works, that that's the way it played out because I was able to be so much more present and so much more conscious of the choices that I was making. And instead of operating out of the old patterns, really making clear choices to, to, to be the facilitator for them as sovereign beings rather than me molding them into something I thought they were supposed to be, right? So as a 20-year-old mother, I'm sure that I would have been very controlling and very different than the way that I have been with my children. And I'm sure that God knew exactly what, <laughs> what was being put into place for that to happen because there are these, you know, I know I'm biased, but they're these amazing human beings. And I feel so blessed and so honored to have been a facilitator for them, to be a you know, just a, a guidepost, if you will. But I have made an absolute point from this place of being love to one, make sure that they knew beyond a doubt that they are loved for who they are without it being attached to what they do or how they do it or, you know, their behaviors or whatever else. Um, and I know that that is solid in them. And they will still make their choices and their mistakes and live their life and do what they have to do, right? Exactly. Um, but I, but I, but I, that was one of the key elements for me was like, um, you know, I know that that Ken was talking about Hafiz and um, Rumi and some of these amazing poets. Um, one of my other favorites is is Khalil Gibran. And he talks about your children are not your children, you know, exactly. the arrows that are released from your bow. And so, I, you know, it's like I've just felt this um, this honor, real honor. And it 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 like it makes me really humble. Um, and at the same time, you know, I was talking with my mom about this because she's always raving about what amazing people they are. <laughs> and I'm like, they really are, aren't they? Um, and I attribute that to them. But I also give myself credit for thankfully listening to my path and my journey so that I could be a container for them in a way that allows them to really step in. So it just has been, you know, I mean, I've I've been have been and I'm still learning every step of the way. 
Um, and I think that's part of it is like, the more I go into my life, uh, you said something earlier about, you know, how much we don't know or something. And it's like, there's a, there's a statement that's been made somewhere and I throw it around occasionally, but it's like, the more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know, you yes. know, it's like, there's so much to be. And so I, I, my choice is to live my life from a point of fascination. You know, it's like, there's so much to be seen and learned and, and experienced. Um, and the more that I remain open, the more, um, the more that I feel is, is, is available as possible. You know, it's, it's unlimited possibility, right? Exactly. And so, and so, and then this thing of being love, it's like, so if I step into my life that way, and I step into my relationships and my interactions with other people in that way, it's sort of this internal mission of how much light can I bring to the world? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. That is just so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I am so grateful that we had this conversation today because I know it's a gift to humanity um, that we are sprinkling this this frequency of, of consciousness, of love, of of gift it's a gift it's totally unconditional we're we're putting out there into uh facebook land social media land and and then eventually on my um my podcast channel conversations like this are sprinkling the world with hope with a new way because we do not know what we do not know when we operate in conditional love and ego love self-serving love. We don't know any other way. And there is a waking up that is happening because humanity has gone as far as it possibly could into this egoic selfishness of looking for love in all the wrong places because it's looking for somebody else to give it to us. And here we are sprinkling the abundance of love that you and I both have to share to so freely give this, you know, this, this, makes me think of, um, it wasn't that long ago, you know, a lot of it was in the 80s, 90s, to be able to hear a conversation of this caliber, you have to pay money to go listen to somebody tell you about these, the, the consciousness of love, this amazing stuff. But there's such an abundance of, of willing beings like you and I sharing about our experiences. Mm -hmm. And it is always my, my desire that these conversations touch the person who they're meant to touch. And I know that your share is going to touch who, who it's meant to touch because you bring such a beautiful, gentle, loving presence about you. And just like me, we both have our dark side. We both went through our, you know, bitch from hell side i'm sure i can bring you a long list of people who thought that about me but we we knew that there was more we didn't know what we didn't know but we knew there had to be more that curiosity that sense of wonder allowed both of us to enter to navigate into a journey an unknown that has led us to come to know this presence that has transformed our lives and thank you so much for your willingness to go on that journey it's never an easy journey because it is a it's a it's a painful journey of removing what you know it's like losing an arm like losing a leg and inside of of that oh lisa i'm so glad that you um you enjoy these shares good that's that's the whole purpose of this is to share uh share some of the people that i am blessed to know so that we can share our stories and habiba why don't you as we're getting ready to to wrap up our conversation you shared some of the the teachings that helped you, but what specific would be some teaching, some teachers that you could share with others that would give them maybe more detailed information about your processes? Uh, like for me, I love A Course in Miracles and I teach from it all the time. So it's usually my go-to, read A Course in Miracles because it's got the how-tos in there that I've gone through. What about you? Well, good question. Um, because uh, it's interesting because I've sort of evolved through, through things. Um, the, the Jaffe Institute where I actually 
started learning energy healing has evolved into a Sufi university. So, um, so they're, they're definitely are there and available to teach people. Um, and it is in the context of Sufism as Ken has so beautifully pointed out some of the, um, some of the Persian poets, I would highly encourage. And if you're open to it, there's one I might want to share right at the very end. Um, because it's, it's one that, uh, it's, it's sort of this joyful play on what we're talking about here today. Um, and then, you know, for me, I think, um, you know, getting into a community of people and into discussions like this, I think is really, really helpful to be connected with people who are living in a conscious way. I mean, that's how you and I came together in the in the context of the gifting community, because it's a place where we are working together to break through the paradigms that we live amongst, you know, like some of us more consciously than others, whatever, but it's like, you know, we live in a world that is full of old paradigms that are telling us how we're supposed to be living our lives. And so many of us are, are either awakened to or awakening to the fact that that's not true. That's not the truth of who we are. It is a world that we live in and we can transform it. And I think the more of us that come together and do that together, one, you've got a support system and two, you've got um, you know, suggestions and avenues of ways to break through those places that keep us bound. Um, so I, I, I think I'll leave it as sort of in that general sense. I don't actually have, you know, specific references, but, um, but there's so much available. And I, I'll be honest with you, Course in Miracles is one of those that has been sprinkled on my path along the way, but I've never delved into it. So I'm very excited to explore that with you more and more every, you're doing a class on Wednesdays now, and um, and I'm loving that. And then we'll see where else we go from there, because I'm sure we'll be traveling together for a while. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I was inspired again to share uh, all of the goodness that has transformed my life. So Wednesdays at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I do a free workshop. And it is, it, I call it the Happy Creators um, uh, workshop because, or the Happy Dream Creators, because A Course in Miracles tells us that while we are in this realm of the world, we are going to be in a level of sleep. And the, the sleep is the denial of our non-physical self to have a physical experience. And in a way that is asleep, we've got to turn off a part of our mind that says, no, I'm non-physical. Otherwise, we can't assume and believe that we are physical. But we have created a nightmare out of this dream. And the Course in Miracles states that when we live from our heart, wholehearted, head and heart together, because we have to connect with the mind of God, not the mind of the ego, we create a happy dream. The dream should be happy. Happiness is our birthright. Happiness is what, what we came here to experience. But we forgot along the way to activate the love that is inside of us because we got scared, we got possessive, we got, uh, you know, fearful, controlling, and we created a nightmare. But the nightmare doesn't define who we are. It just confines us in some identities, like you said, some paradigms that feed the nightmare, like uh, money doesn't grow on trees, like you got to work really hard to be happy, like you should do something you're not happy at, but it's responsible. And it's the way you're going to make more money. All those old paradigms about how things should be, we are seeing are breaking down because they're not sustainable. Anything that is linear and is tells a, a divine free being how to be is not sustainable. So anything that is controlling is breaking down. Anything that allows for curiosity in a state of wonder is expanding. So it's it's really beautiful. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. And if any of these people that are, are being touched by you and you're shared, they want to connect with you, what would be the best place for them to find you? Well, I'm on Facebook. I have to say I don't spend a whole lot of time in there, um, but I am on Telegram and Instagram, uh, not Instagram, uh, Telegram and WhatsApp are the other two that I am very active in as far as chats and those kinds of things. So um, probably the easiest way to connect is through Facebook and then we can connect yeah. so they can send you a, a messenger 
they can send you a, a message through there at, to Habiba Miller. Yeah, it's Habiba Miller. Yeah, I'm not sure why the SF is on there. That's my uh, my company's name is Serving Freedom. So um, anyway, I'm not sure how that landed there, but there you are. So it's Habiba Miller. Habiba Miller, so, so beautiful. Well, thank you for gracing my day with your presence and sharing your beautiful light and because it's touched me and it's from the comments has touched those who have been with us for this hour and i i am so grateful you're in my life and and not just here for an hour so we will connect over in our gifting economy where we truly give and receive in, in abundant beautiful joyful ways so thank you for being there with me i i so love mm -hmm. you sister thank you lina i really love and appreciate you so much and i'm really glad that we had the chance to do this today so yes you. Absolutely. And I invite anyone who uh, is watching to join me next Monday. Um, we always do these on a Monday, 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I have a wonderful guest. His, his, well, all my guests are wonderful. Um, and this, this young man is uh, one of my daughter's friends from high school. So I've, I've, I've known him since he was young. And he has had an incredible awakening and in just in his early 30s, 32 years old. And Harrison is going to come and share about his his waking up at the tender age of 30. Um, so I look forward to sharing sharing him with you guys. And Habiba, again, I am grateful. I love you. And I will see you soon. Thank you, Lina. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.